You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jarielle and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hopes is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Hey y'all, hey, welcome to another episode of the Doula Road Trip Podcast. I'm super duper excited because today we get to talk to one of my doula best friends um, who I met during COVID actually. So in 2020, I was reaching out to doulas and Facebook groups and just trying to find community really. And so Joni James is an incredible doula. She is located in New Jersey. She serves New Jersey and New York. And we have been able to connect and collaborate and work on things throughout the last um, year or so. And it's been so fantastic. And so Joni is at the same stage I am, but I feel like she's done so many things in such a short amount of time. And so I wanted to talk about all things that really nobody talks about. So this is a life after training episode. So like what actually happens after you leave your doula training, you get out into the community, you start serving, you start making connections. And I just want to see what Joni has to say, what her journey has been like, what her story has been like. And my hope is that this will shine some light on some things that you as aspiring doulas and even new doulas can learn, take precautions, take some notes and put some things in place so that way you can avoid some of the heartache <laughs> that we have in year one almost year two now of full-time doula work. So Joni, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of it. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Jario, for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like a so cool. So, so cool. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for doing me. this. Listen, so you have so many certifications. You have a degree in public health. Like it's so many things. So how would you describe you to the people? What do you want to share with the people about yourself, about doula work, about anything at all? I would definitely say that I'm like water. So I flow where I'm needed. Um, and I, I am aspiring to take up this space that is for me. So what that means is, especially in my professional life, but also my personal life, setting boundaries. So finding my own container, finding my own community and um, just finding my niche. Like I really want to find the people that I 
deserve to be able to serve and then also to just do what I love, which is doula work. Okay, good. Like water. I like that. So let me ask you this. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about your doula journey. So tell everybody how you found out about doulas and when you took your doula training. Okay. So it was a few years ago. Um, I was an undergrad and, of course, procrastinating <laughs> as a public health major. I was like, oh, I had time and I had to do my final thesis project, 300 hours. And you had to find a internship that had to do with public health. Oh, wow. Um, I ended up finding this lovely, lovely woman. Her name is Joe Wadnick. I'm still in contact with her today. She's so sweet. And she let me convince her <laughs> to be, <laughs> let me be, she, I want to like, let me be your intern. And she's like, Aww. oh, okay, sure. So she uh, was, a, she was also a doula. She served the Essex County area in New Jersey. Um, and she, she would teach Lamaze classes, childbirth classes at the university. So Montclair State University. And she had me go down the rabbit hole of public health and how it intertwined with midwifery, the history of midwifery, how um, black midwives and black grand midwives paved the way for midwifery as we know it. And then how doulas can help with the black maternal mortality complex. As we know, that's a really huge issue. So I was like, I want to do this. I was like, I want to do this. This is it. I found the job. And so mm. after graduation in 2019, I went to work for a midwifery practice. I stayed okay. there until uh, last year, 2020. And in the middle of the pandemic, I like, quit. And then I started the resting garden. So yeah, here I am. Wow. Okay. So I did not know that. So tell me about doula training because you're trained and certified up the wazoo. So tell me like, did you do labor or birth doula training first? And how was that experience? I got about like eight months of on like labor support practice before I then did Madriella's um, online birth doula training program. So like I got the experience and then I got the piece of paper. Love it. Okay. So she literally let you go to birth with her. Like you were standing next to her while she was doing her labor clients. Yeah. So at the practice, yeah, I was hired as a midwifery assistant um, slash office assistant. And then after work, after a normal shift, I would then go to whichever clients was on call because we had a rotating practice of midwives. Wow. Okay. So then after you decided that in the middle of 2020 that you were going to go ahead and start your own practice, what were you thinking? Because let's be honest, you were in New York and New Jersey. So those were the areas that were sort of like hit the hardest by the pandemic. And so I'm thinking that you waited until after March. So this had to be after like the city was shut down. So what sort of things were you thinking? What fears did you have? And what sort of challenges were you faced with? Oh my gosh, Dario, I was shitting bricks. I was terrified. I had no money. Like, I had money saved up, but nothing. And I was also really sick with my back at the time. And I was like, why did I quit? But I just, it wasn't for me. It was was an all-white practice. Um, I didn't have the one-on-one connections with the labor clients. Like, I would see them in the office, but I didn't know their fears. I didn't really know their histories. Mm. Um... It just wasn't, I, it wasn't a connection that I was comfortable having. It felt very, very superficial. So, um, yeah, in March, end of March, 
I was like, I want to serve people and I want to have that connection, that one-on-one. So it was just, is this a stable practice that I can build? Um, how will I find clients and just who is going to come? Like if I actually Mm. build this, will they come? So what happened? How did you get your first client as a new solo practicing doula? Oh my gosh. It took, I definitely want to say it took three, four months. And Uh um, I will definitely say utilize social media. Social media is a wonderful tool. I joined all the groups that I could. I took every training I could get my hands on. I don't necessarily recommend that. I think you need to find things that you generally, genuinely love and not mm-hmm. just getting the certification just to get it. Um, I think it should make sense for your practice, for your niche and all that stuff. But yeah, I joined all the Facebook groups uh, in New Jersey, New York, uh, the tri-state area. I sent out emails to all the practices like, hi, my name is Joni. I have this much experience, blah, blah, blah. And and upsell yourself. Like you, you deserve to be in this space despite the fear that you're feeling. But yeah, you belong. Like this is your passion. This is your dream and you deserve to be here. And I just kept at it until Christina Freelander of um, Baraka Birth. She's so amazing. She's like, yeah, I have this client. Oh, my first home birth also for me and yeah we connected at the time i did it as sliding scale just to help out and then also for me to get experience and then from there she saw the way that i worked because that's also important when you do show up in these spaces be yourself bring your work ethic and also your integrity um because this is a chance and the the birth community it's all intertwined you don't know who knows who and so yeah show up with integrity and show up with respect for your business for yourself as a professional and yeah since then i've been getting referrals and i've just been continuing the same process that's worked for me which is using social media and um, creating platforms and engaging with the people there who do need doulas. Let me ask you this because I remember meeting you and thinking, oh my gosh, she has done so many certification programs. Let me ask you, like, do you think that at the beginning of the doula journey, like it was a mindset of like, I need more certifications that way I can prove that like, I really am knowledgeable and I am skilled that way I can move forward with feeling less of like an imposter in this new space that I'm in as a doula, because I think that that does have a lot to do with it. And so I do want to talk a little bit about if that was the case, like how did you overcome that? So that way other people don't have to spend $5,000 on certifications before they realize that they were valuable and had something to offer after certification one. Absolutely. That was one of the biggest things. And it was so daunting Um, Because the people that I was interacting with in these spaces, they have years of experience on me. Um, And yes, I had I was just newly certified, but I had almost a year of experience. But again, these people have been here. They've been ingrained in the system. They understand how it works. And I, I needed to be on the same playing field. And like you said, in my mind, leveling the playing field meant upping my certifications and getting all the alphabet soup letters behind my name. Um, I eventually realized that it did not, it wasn't going to work. 
because there wasn't, for me, there was no integrity and genuineness in it. I was just, I was just getting things to be able to compete with other people. And this field is not a competition. Um, and so to get over that, looked at my marketing plan, my business plan, and then I started to set up the pathways to get clients to me. I went out to the sources of where clients were. So whether it was working for an agency for a bit, um, <laughs> agencies are interesting to say the least. To say, to say the, the least, least. yeah. <laughs> um, and then just applying for taking on pro bono clients for the experience and also because I really wanted to help. So going for clients and then building my knowledge and experience and expertise and being honest. I didn't go in saying like, oh, I have like 75 births under my belt, but I was honest. I said, hey, I am new to the certification world, but I'm not new to birth work. And this is what I can offer you and and just keeping at it yeah i would love to ask you so out of all the certifications that you got like which ones do you feel like are the ones that you use the most like in your work and how you support clients today because i know like you had done like so many things i remember you doing like a herb like training and then there was childbirth education there was also doula and postpartum and some other things so what are like the top maybe two certifications that you feel like you use the most in your private doula practice at this point mm, definitely um lactation and um the doula trainings yeah. that's good and who did you train for lactation through i trained through so first i did herbal um okay. herbal academy and then i then took childbirth international cbi let me ask you this what has surprised you the most in your journey now as a doula in your first year like what has been the most surprising thing that you've encountered as a solo doula how lonely it gets mm. yeah. talk about the loneliness yeah, that's good it can it can get really lonely because sometimes the people you serve are serving with i only see them on social media like sometimes i I call them my internet best friends, but like you, I I generally I never met you in person, but right we right, haven't, and um, which is why utilizing social media can be so important. But yeah, I have not, I haven't really met a lot of these people in person, so forming a community can be so so hard, and that's what you need, especially to prevent burnout for someone to be able to check you and say, hey. Um, how are you feeling for, and then someone you can vent to honestly, because to be honest, not every listening ear is a good one. So it can be mm. very, very lonely to be serving and to be doing the work and doing all the things and then not to be able to connect with people in person and then in a panorama, you know, we're in a pandemic. So it's just, yeah. it's just all of these things. So yeah, definitely the loneliness, um, for example, I just met a fellow placenta encapsulator who we were having um, just talk sessions with the local therapists for birth workers who weren't able to provide in-person support last year. And I just met her for the first time in like a year and a half. <laughs> so, yeah, it can be very wow. lonely 
to have these people but not to actually have in-person connections with because if depending on the area you serve they could be a lot further than you and yeah I mean in New York it's easier with transportation but sometimes in Jersey somebody can be like West Bumblefuck and (laughs) yeah no I agree about the loneliness and it does feel like you're operating in just like silos I will admit that people always tell you that you really need a good backup doula and it took me forever to actually find a backup doula like I was practicing for a really long time before I ever found a backup doula and it's not like I didn't know doulas I definitely did I knew doulas but I feel like the doulas were busy with their own practices they had their own Mm -hmm. agendas they really didn't need a backup doula because they had already had one mm-hmm. in place who had they had been working with for years and in a lot of times when I would show up to the local doula meetups I was the only person of color mm-hmm. too so that was also interesting and so it wasn't until I started creating my own like BIPOC doula mixers I started throwing them in June and now I host them every month and I'm going to continue through next year it was so many people who come to my meetups and they're like oh my god I didn't know it was so many other BIPOC doulas in the city and I feel I finally feel like I found my people and they've been doing for years so I community is important I feel like finding the community that you feel connected to is even more important right because you can be in a room full of people and still feel like you're all alone it's about the connection on top of the community for sure if I were closer I would definitely pop out to your BIPOC mixer I'd be scrolling through the pictures on um, Facebook I'm like oh if I were closer <laughs> I would love for you to come to the mixes I feel like finding black doulas though in New Jersey in New York it should be like you throw a rocket and you couldn't miss one like you know <laughs> what I mean like it just seems like it's so many of you guys in New York it's actually a doula expo happening at the end of this month in yes, New York yes, yes. and my favorite doula Latham Thomas lives and works in New York so I'm like I, I always feel like being in New York and New Jersey is the place to be if you're a doula definitely yeah so I'm a little jealous um let me ask you this let's talk about like the mindset around like charging and also expenses that you incur as like a new doula so talk about a little bit about setting prices Mm -hmm. right and having a contract because we've talked about that (laughs) before and I politely told you to raise your prices maybe it wasn't polite (laughs) read me to fill but (laughs) Right. It read you to filth and told you to raise your prices. And I love you and call me back after you raise them because I feel like you are so talented. You have a degree in like public health. You have so many certifications. And I just felt like it was unfair to you to be like at the price that you were. Like I felt like it was undervaluing like what you were providing Mm -hmm. to people. But tell me about like what you thought about like pricing your services, getting your contracts in place and some of the other things you have to do to make your business legal. Um, They're so necessary. Like that's the first thing. And it was very, very uncomfortable for me just because I have my own, personal gripes around money and charging and then um there's something to be said especially for us as black women um when it comes to money I don't know what it is just being taught that we shouldn't feel good about money I don't know what it is I have I have some ideas but taking the ickiness out of that 
this is what I need to survive. This is what's going to help me to be able to continue to do sliding scale work, to be able to invest in other doulas in the community, etc. So reframing the ideas around money and business was very, very important. And then, um, like you said, raising my prices to be able to continue to do this work is super important. So thank you for calling me out on that. But then contracts. I know Rabe Sinclair is a doulapreneur slash lawyer. Um, they sell contracts that you can get. I personally have written my own based off research and things. Uh, if you have the means and the time to be able to get a lawyer to be able to look over your contract, that is amazing. I've been in the bind where I did something verbally with a client and they were demanding a refund and just off principle and just wanting for it to go away, I had to refund a large amount of money. So yeah. contracts protect you and your business. Um, for me, my business is my name. And without it, I don't feel right about operating without integrity. So contracts are important. Having solid backup in place is important. What was the other thing you asked me? Expenses. Mm. Because there's so many expenses when you start a business that you don't see coming. And even if you have a savings, it can be eaten away very quickly by monthly software subscriptions, the price to file an LLC, the price to speak to a lawyer, the price to get your client relationship management system in place. Mm -hmm. So you remember who you're serving and when they're doing what their partner's name is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So just things like that. It, it can be kind of expensive and just talking about some of those expenses. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely the way I did it was I prioritized what would be beneficial in the long run. So when I first started, I didn't have a lot of money. I was getting unemployment, but that wasn't a lot. And so I prioritize what would help me to be able to be good in the long run. And for me, that was setting up and filing my business name. I didn't have a DBA, so it was just a business name, setting that up properly and making sure that I had um, an accountant as well, just because I know myself, I cannot be bothered with money sometimes. So taking that necessary step. And then um, creating a, at first it was free. My website was free. It was a free domain. I registered it um, for like 20 bucks, I think. Filing the LLC, depending, and then I will say this, an LLC does not work for everybody, especially if you've had a previous business entity. Some people prefer corporations. My business is a corporation just because that was what I was used to and I liked the tax filing system that it had, but you're also able to dissolve the business and create it as something new, whether it's going from a corporation to an LLC or LLC to a corporation. So figuring out what tax status works for you is also very important. So that's that was about like $200. I got a free website, but I registered a domain, 20 bucks, give or take. And I utilized, created an email. How will your clients contact you? That was also free through Gmail. You can also create one through the website uh, host. But I didn't have the money at the time. And that was not important to me. Just a regular email was fine. And then a phone number. I was comfortable using uh, my phone number that I was going to give to my business anyway. So that's fine. But they have Google Voice. I think they have free subscriptions. Sometimes people even use Skype as well, Skype calling. But yeah, how will your clients call you? How will they get in contact with you? And with the recent um, social media being shut down, Facebook and Instagram 
think being hacked yeah, or something that was scary yeah mm-hmm. if your business is only on there how will your clients reach you so having a domain is super important and that for me was part of the security blanket that I was building for myself after that I started I also I'm a millennial and I know that I don't always have like a credit card on me sometimes. And yes, I have lots of plastic, but how will clients pay me? So started looking into avenues that did not charge as much to be paid. I didn't upgrade my website, believe it or not, until this past year, just because I couldn't afford the, the fee to pay the website host. So I used right. PayPal. I use Zelle, which is, um, does not have interest or doesn't take out rather a charge. Uh, the percentage rather so Zelle and things like that so how my clients pay me part of the security blanket um sometimes you can even add in the percentage of what the 10 percent I think or like 29 cent fee whatever it is mm-hmm. whatever PayPal charges you you can add it into what your clients will pay you to offset that and then I also kept track of the monthly expenses so how many miles I was driving to and from clients houses uh, for Jersey or I think the actually the US it's like 50 cents per mile in a spreadsheet and now that I've integrated with Square for the website uh, it keeps track of it for me I use Hurdler an app I think it's for me it wasn't that much this year I just again I upgraded and so mm-hmm. whenever I get something um, whether my website is through Square Whenever they send me money, whatever they take out of it, it gets input into the lovely spreadsheet. And then whenever I get paid, I just put everything in there and it just tracks it automatically, including my mileage and what I can deduct from the end of the year. And I think maybe it's like $7 a month or you can pay annually. I I also started using uh, last year um, marketing software. So Google My Business, Mm -hmm. that's free to set up. Um, Yelp. Yelp did not work for me. Yelp did me dirty. Um, I signed up with the, they had a uh, marketing campaign at the time and you had to sign up and then they'd give you like three months of credit. But after a while, I had clients, I was doing postpartum work. It was like probably, so I started in May with my business, sorry, March with my business and I, I started to get into like the swing of doula work part-time around the end of summer but all the money I noticed was taken out of my account and Yelp was like charging me for these ridiculous fees like okay $400 for marketing to people in the area but I wasn't getting any actual uh clicks like I wasn't getting people like interested in my business I was getting views but it wasn't translate to closing so Mm -hmm. I was like oh Yelp baby you gotta go (laughs) (laughs) um So yeah, figuring out what works for you. What do you deem as necessary? I invested in my education in like the doula world because I thought that was necessary. But after a while, like honestly, like I told you earlier, the the doula certifications and then the lactation was all that really helped me at first. So yeah, investing in in what you believe is secure, securing your business, securing your assets. um, And yeah, moving on from there. Let me ask you this. Um, how many clients did you take on per month when you started? And talk about like the toll and like the sort of recovery periods that you have in between clients. Because labor can be deceptively hard and physical on your body. Maybe not as hard as the person that's 
delivering the baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we definitely have some aches and pains and some recovery time in between clients, um, which surprised me. So talk a little bit about that if you've experienced that too. Yes. Um, it, it, that's one of the things that I, I really would love to put into trainings. Just the yeah. recovery period is intense. When I first started last year, I had about one to two clients, birth clients, and then about one postpartum client. Um, mm-hmm. Now I've gone up to about two to four birth clients with one or two postpartum, depending on the month, because, you know, income varies and and the, mar- the every month it changes. Yeah. But even from then to now, um, let's say I go to a birth and on a good day, it's like 15 hours of support. All those double hip squeezing and like mm-hmm. massaging and walking around with a laboring patient or client rather. It takes me a, about a day or so to fully get back to feeling okay. And yeah, I, it's, it's definitely interesting. A good 24 hours, sometimes more. I, the longer the birth, the longer the recovery period, which sometimes just can't be helped. Talk a little bit about like self-care and burnout. So like when you do support a labor client and then you do get the opportunity to go back home, what are some of the things that you do in order to recharge and talk about if you have experienced like burnout and what were some of the signs that you were headed towards burnout if you have? Yeah. So recharging looks like turning my phone off. I'll check in with clients, see how you are. I'll notify them that I am at a birth or I'm coming from a birth and then turn my phone off. I will get a hot bath. I'll get some food and then I will just pass out. I am a vampire and then I'm just out, out cold. And then from there I'll get up, um, do some stretching, go for a walk and then slowly start to get back into my day. Uh, that works for me. I love sleep. So <laughs> just yes. turning my phone off and just <sighs> lights out is so good for me. Burnout. I actually experienced it this year and it was terrifying. Yeah. We <clears throat> excuse me. We um we come into this work and we're so excited and we love it so so much. And then one day I woke up. I felt a little disgruntled annoyed but I couldn't mm-hmm. place it I figured it was just something bothering me and it was the middle of the s- it was the middle of early, late spring so like April May and I just started to get annoyed with like little things I didn't really feel like talking to my clients and it just began to like escalate not talking to my clients just being annoyed I was like man I don't know if I want to do this anymore mm. and I it was a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, some bitterness. Mm-hmm. I just felt like used up. So yeah, anger, sadness, bitterness. And I went to, I think a prenatal or a birth. And it was, I kid you not, it was a four day labor support. I didn't leave. My backup was unavailable. They had an emergency to take care of. And the second backup that I had was not able to. So I was drained. I felt defeated. I was questioning if I wanted to be a doula anymore. Like, was I actually providing support for my clients? And I realized then and there, like, I, this is burnout. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm giving and I'm not feeling anything. And I'm not feeling 
joy anymore. There's, mm. I just didn't want to even bother. So closed my calendar mm-hmm. and I took off. I also, um, talking about community, I have doulas that I'm close to and I trust. Cause again, not every listening ear is a good ear to hear your problems, but finding mm-hmm. community is important. So talked about what I was feeling, closed my calendar and I went on vacation mm-hmm. and I did nothing to do with doula work. And I realized it was burnout. My prices were not high enough. I did not have good boundaries. And I cannot do this work alone. I I felt alone. And that was scary. And after that, I raised my prices. I found um, and hired a doula partner. And so, yeah, that's... It was terrifying. Talk a little bit about boundaries. What are some of the boundaries that you have in place now, now that you're post-burnout, that you didn't have pre-burnout, that you see has made a difference? Woo, child. Well, <laughs> um, my price is my price. Mm-hmm. I will accommodate within reason. But if I, if I even get like the slightest funny feeling in my stomach about a potential client, I will refer out. I won't even, I won't even bother. Mm-hmm. I will just say, like, thank you so much for reaching out. I don't think we're a good fit. And I would love to refer you out to other people in the community who would be better able to serve your needs. Yeah, that's the main thing. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't play about that anymore. It's not worth it for my mental health. And it's not going to do me any good in the long run. Just because it's money does not make it good money. Um, even if I do need the money, I also, when I do need a break, I will do my best to communicate with my clients, um, the ones who I have been communicating with for that week or that month. And then I will not answer my phone. I have a bad habit of like, if they text me or call me after I said that I am unavailable, I will pick up the phone. I just let it wait now. And, and I still feel terrible about it. But if I've communicated the boundary and you are not listening to that, that's not my issue. You know, I've I've been making it personal. So not paying up the phone until I'm available, which is usually like the next morning or so. Right. Um, Those are the biggest two things. I've also. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. You've been inspiring me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also have a um, software now on my website. It's called a pointy. It schedules appointments for you. And all my prenatals are through Zoom. So it's mm-hmm. all virtual, especially with COVID. And I yeah. just send the link. I don't, I'm not responding to every single little inquiry. I just type pre, I just copy and paste a pre type template. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I have and then send the link and then they get to schedule at their convenience. I'm not sitting there with every single client going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to schedule one prenatal. So yes. certain boundaries also can take place within what you deem necessary to also go back to that previous point about expenses. Like it's worth it to invest within raising and within your budget for what you need and for me for peace of mind i know that i cannot sit there and go back and forth with someone all day to schedule an appointment so just having systems in place to take the stress off yourself because you're one person and as much as i would love to see you be like a lactation yoga placenta childbirth educator doula (laughs) and you need systems in place and for me Mm -hmm. 
even though I am all of those things, it's just not feasible. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and also hiring out, referring yes. out, like beautiful, best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about boundaries. I remember I started going to therapy maybe in like 2018 mm-hmm. and my therapist asked me, what are your boundaries? And I looked at her with a very blank face because I was like, is she still speaking English? Like, I'm not really <laughs> sure why she would ask me that question or like what she expects the answers to be. Like, mm-hmm. what exactly are boundaries? Like, this is the first time I've heard this word before. Like, I really don't know how to answer that question. And all I could say was that I don't think I have any. Mm-hmm. And I feel like ever since then, I've been very much so more vocal about where the lines are and what I expect from people mm-hmm. and what I will and will not do. And sometimes people will push back on your boundaries. Um, I know recently I was telling one of the people that I was working with, like, hey, I know that you're used to conducting prenatals in this way, but I only do prenatals virtually. It's a boundary that I've set. It does save me time, energy, uh, mileage on my car, and it definitely prevents me from being exposed to COVID to do it virtually. And this person was very much so like, not understanding and wanting me to agree (laughs) to go back to doing prenatals in person and I was just like you know my boundaries don't have emotions I'm just communicating my boundary to you this is what I'm willing to do and not willing to do and so you get to decide how you want to move forward or not move forward and I'm okay with that so I definitely think that it's important for people to realize like I had to realize that I was people pleasing right Mm. it's a part of me that really wants people to like me and feel like I'm supporting them right I don't want people to not like me and I have to get over the fact that people will like me at my own detriment right because Mm -hmm. then I become bitter and angry because I feel like I'm not being appreciated or I'm being over you know kind and going out of my way and overextending myself and it's not being appreciated in the right way and then you get bitter yeah so (laughs) at least I do Mm -hmm. so just wanted to say like boundaries are okay and thinking about what those boundaries will be talk a little bit um Joni for me about being a doula who has not become a mother like how has that been with your journey and supporting clients and processing it and also the way in which that comes up or does not come up with clients who you serve. I love the Facebook group Duels Without Children. Yeah. I feel so validated. I have not yet been able to bring a full-term child into this world and for my own personal reasons and whatnot and just my past. So not having children but having previously been pregnant, it's sort of like stepping into this world but i i haven't crossed the threshold of motherhood yet um so sometimes it is bittersweet but it has nothing to do with my clients like you don't need to know my personal stories so i'll often say like yes that's it's true i don't have children Yet it allows me to show up for you because I don't have to worry about childcare. Um, a lot of it is spinning it to your benefit yeah. and just saying the truth. Um, I have had some pushback with clients mm. who, uh, yeah, <laughs> which, um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just their personal beliefs. They, they were curious and they really wanted to know like why I didn't have children which I didn't feel it was any of their business to begin with and also like I was saying um 
you are getting my service and you're getting it the way that you are because I don't have to yet worry about providing childcare for my child or worrying about scheduling conflicts. I can just get up and go with specific limitations. So spinning it to your benefit again is very, very important. But yeah, there was some pushback. Um, They didn't feel comfortable with me supporting them because I haven't had yet, I haven't had children And I personally don't think that experiencing labor and birth uh, makes you a better doula. I just think it makes you a doula who can relate to a different target niche than I do. Really, truly. And uh, for me personally, having also gone through... Uh, pregnancy but not having yet given birth and then also just taking different courses and stuff like also supporting survivors through trauma one of the great things that Justine Leach says is that your birth story should not impact your clients Mm. so I don't have a lens of trauma through birth at least to color your story with. I get to show up as my authentic self and then to be able to support you in the ways that you need to be supported. So for me, not having children right now in this stage of my life is not a detriment. It's a blessing to me and to my business. I get to be a little bit more loose in my schedule and I get to grow as an individual and as a provider, a practitioner rather, a doula practitioner. Um, so yeah, whenever the time comes, I'm sure that I'll adjust and I'll have even more wisdom to be able to bestow on clients. But for right now, even though I was surprised to get pushed back right. about a choice that I have, um, it, it doesn't hurt me. And honestly, that client was not for me, which when you talk about people pleasing and being authentic and honest, it did hurt. Like you can't see my value and that actually hurts my feelings. But then after a while taking it out of it and being professional and taking the emotion out, I cannot actually communicate with you. And as, so I truly believe that doulas are companions. And as your companion, if you are looking at me with a lens, um, judginess, and you're not actually seeing me for myself, how can I accompany you through your birth and journey if you're not trusting my judgment based off a choice that I had made that has nothing to do with your actual birth? Get what I'm trying to say? No, I do. And I wanted to talk to you about that. So what has it been like with rejection, right? Because mm-hmm. I have been in like an agency model as an independent contractor um, over this past year. And there are many different people in the agency for a potential client to choose from at varying price points, at varying levels of experience, at varying backgrounds. And mm-hmm. so I have been in a rut where I have been to over a dozen interviews and had not been hired and the rejection was really sitting on me so heavy like I remember like reading like an email of like the first time like a potential client basically like verbally agreed to hire me but said that they were going to meet with another doula just out of obligation and then emailed me and said that they were not going to hire me after all they were going to hire the other doula and I remember being in bed like bawling my eyes out because I'm like I have never experienced like this much rejection (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's so funny because mm-hmm. over the weekend I went to Columbus and I was chatting with my best friend and he's been in a situation where he's been looking for a job for over a year so he's got a lot of rejections and we were talking about how now like rejection like doesn't even bother me like if somebody says no no thank you I'm moving forward with another doula I always bless them wish them an absolutely empowering beautiful birth and like I forget about it like it literally rolls off my back and I'm just like okay like let me go get some pizza for my daughter like let me go shopping like let me you know what I mean like it's just like not even a thing anymore it kind of hits me like rain now like no big deal so what do you think about like rejection and the way in which you maybe viewed it before and how you view it now oh I was with you crying yeah bad girl I was like <laughs> they don't like my business they don't like yes. me <laughs> what am I gonna do and I mean like boohooing like, like snot and boohooing and then I don't know when the switch flipped mm-hmm. I think it took I think it took like a good six yeah. months of of first consistent notes again my business started in march and then i didn't get my first client until like mid mid to late end of summer so it was (laughs) it was very much like ooh, you don't have this you don't have that you know um and so boohooing um i don't know when the switch flips but again yeah it's like water off a duck's back now because your no is bringing me one step closer to getting another interview with somebody who might potentially say yes. And then um you got to keep showing up. Like you really have to keep going and not not d- diminishing how you feel. Like it's okay to feel bad. No does hurt, of course. Um not diminishing how you feel but also still speaking to yourself in a way that's it's okay. I got to know why. Because I first got to interview this person. Okay, what did I do well? And what did I not do well? Um, and for me, in the beginning, it was a confidence thing. They could genuinely see. I didn't realize it, that I was not confident. I was stuttering. I wasn't upselling myself. I would let the client lead the interview. Um, I wasn't talking about the strengths and experiences. I wasn't um, polishing the fact that I have availability because I don't have children. I, I wasn't using my strengths to the best of my ability. And that is one of the things that I had like a really good chat about when talking with you and another doula who is so amazing, Chris Bailey of Birth and Baby Services. I love to plug my friends. I really do. Like I've been in conversation with people like, oh, do you know, do you know so-and-so? <laughs> oh, you should. Um, we because call you to sock it. Plug them. We love it. <laughs> yes, because it's so, so important. And so having these conversations and looking at yourself as to why the no hurts acknowledging how you feel and then flipping it for yourself oftentimes i realize that affirmations especially for business don't work because they're not true you're just telling yourself something else that somebody has said like you have to be Mm -hmm. very very specific yes i have a no now and it does hurt however i can continue to get interviews and i can continue to work on a b and c and then 
even if I do get another no, it's still another interview. So you can use that when you do interview the next person who, and then you can start to see what your client's looking for. Like, okay, if they want somebody with experience, now that I have 52 births, I'll be able to say, hi, I have supported 52 birthing families and these are my certifications, you know? Or if they're looking for somebody who is well-connected, even if you don't have any clients yet, don't tell them that. Just say that I I am in talks with five other clients because it's true. You've had five other interviews. They don't have to know the outcome. So playing to your strengths and realizing you are who you are, acknowledging how you feel and flipping the switch truthfully for yourself. So affirming where you are in your practice, being honest, moving with integrity and to keep duplicating the process. You're going to get a yes. It's just a matter of time and it's a matter of how you're going about it. So for me, every no, it doesn't bother me now. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep plugging myself into what works for me. Word of mouth, social media, emailing the clients. And now I've, I used to be very uncomfortable asking for referrals, but now I'm like, hey, so thank you for letting me support you. Um, I would love if you would just fill out this quick survey of satisfaction. Let me know what I could work on. And also just to let other clients know that you had a wonderful experience. Would you mind giving a review? You got to you got to be your own plug. You got to sell your you got to sell your stuff like this is a great market. And if you want people to buy, you got to sell yourself, you know? Yes. Joni, talk about, so how many births have you been to since you started in solo practice? And do you feel like the number of births a doula has been to gives them like the experience that you would on like a normal job? Like, cause I know sometimes people do ask about the number of births you've been to. I feel like it's only once they Google like questions, interview questions to ask a doula and they have it like in front of them. And so they ask, um, but I kind of feel like this is the only job that I've ever had where like experience really doesn't serve you because everybody is so unique. Every birth unfolds so differently. And so what I used at the last labor is not what I'm going to be able to use at the labors in front of me. So how do you feel about that? Yes, that is gospel. That is the Bible right there, Dariel. You are preaching. And yes, it's true. I So in solo practice, I would say probably like 20 something births in the last year. Um, so yeah, this is my second year of dueling, going to my third, which is wild to me. And yes, it does help, but it gets my foot in the door. Like I know so many great doulas, um, you know, Denise Bowles, Michelle, Michelle Gabriel Caldwell, etc. And they're wonderful. Yeah. And they have hundreds of births under their belts. Um, but for me, I have 52 total, 20 something in the past year. And yes, it might get your foot in the door of the conversation. It might pique your client's interest, but what will hold them? If you show up to the birth and you're on your phone texting Kiki King in the corner and not rubbing their back, not asking them, not bringing them ice chips, not not assessing where mm-hmm. they're at physiologically as well as mentally, all of that goes out the door. And I've, I've, I've heard of that happening. So yes, you can rely to a certain extent on the birth experience you've had. But if you, how you show up and how you move is funky, it's not going to serve you. So I would rather, and this is an honest truth, I would really rather not 
say how many births I've had. I'll answer honestly in client interviews, but it doesn't matter. For me, I'm more of a let me show you person. And I want every client to be able to say when they've worked with me or work with my partner as I'm mentoring her to be able to say this experience was well worth it, regardless of what I've had in the past, because you weren't there at that birth. So for me, it's very important to show up and to move like how you've been talking. So is it cool? Yes, it's wonderful. I get to toot my own horn. Honk, honk. I've had 52 births that I've supported. Yeah, but if you show up and you're texting, kiki keying, there's nothing for you. Um, And for me, each birth is truly like starting at number one, so to speak, because I I have something to prove, but at the same time, I now get to bring experience with me. So it's really cool. Yeah. It's like having an extra tool in my doula bag. Oh, yep. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> it's so overrated. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this as we come to a close. So we've been going strong for about an hour now, and I definitely don't want to overwhelm the folks with too many gems. They might not have bags big enough to pick them all up. Let me ask you this, though. Um, what has been, like, the most pivotal workshop, book, webinar, or piece of information that you've gotten along your doula journey so far that has really helped you become a better mm. doula? hands down and my hands are down now um justine (laughs) leach is supporting supporting survivors through uh trauma as well as neca hall's pregnancy abortion and infant loss those two things have just opened my eyes um some books i read I think it's like accompanying survivors through loss. Just the books from her course, mm-hmm. Neca Hall, as well as Justine Leach's, uh, I think, two-month-long training uh, and workshop. It, it just... A wealth of knowledge. And I... Yeah. I think it affirmed so much for me in my journey, um, especially someone who has had loss in my life um, yeah. after being pregnant and trying to put that into words and also being really, really young, but belonging in this space. Like I belong here and I've created this yeah. business and I want to stay. I just want to be able to help people. And so the most pivotal thing I've read, including the books and I've absorbed the knowledge, is just how to talk to people. And during one session with, within the workshop and class, Justine and her partner, they were talking about hearing the ask. And I likened it to mm-hmm. listening to the music. So when a client is speaking to you and um, they're experiencing an emotion, even in Necco's Hall, she did talk about like seeing the emotion, supporting it, and then addressing it within reason. So with Justine and her partner, um, and listening to the music, so to speak, mm-hmm. it's being able to hear your client and then be able to gently walk them through what they need to. And for me, I've had the I've had the honor of supporting people who have had a loss and they've had their rainbow babies. And that takes a yeah. different type of depth to be able to sit there and then also to not let my own loss overshadow what they're going through because it's not about me and I think that's one of the Mm. greatest lessons I've ever learned through the workshops and to affirm how I'm feeling it's not about me um 
I have the integrity. I built the business. The people will come. A no does not mean you're failing. It just means that you have more work to continue. And then until you get your yes, you keep plugging yourself. So listening to the ask and and those two trainings have really been the most pivotal things of my career so far because it made me hone in on the empathy that I have, but also affirm the way that I was building my business. And for your clients, for me at least, for my clients, the most important thing is to be able to hear them, support them where they're at, and then to gently companion them and walk with them through where they're going and through what they're going through. And um, it literally all showed up in my 52nd client, which was about a few weeks ago. They had a successful VBAC wow. and I would not have been able to companion them if I had not let it go, made it not about me and listened to what they were seeing, hearing and feeling. Yeah. Okay. So Joni, tell everybody where they can find you online if they want to connect with you. Um, drop your own plug. So drop your social media. And um, if you want to share like an email or anything <laughs> like that, that people can use to reach out to you. And I know you're mentoring doula. So talk about that. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I would love to partner with you on that as well. So yeah, I am mentoring doulas. Just the things I wish I had known. I have a free webinar up on my website. So you can find me at www.therestinggarden.com on Instagram I'm also uh, my handle is The Resting Garden I love to educate and I the things I wish I had known like having a partner confronting you know racism especially Mm. within uh, the white birth worker community just assessing their own savior complex um, finding your niche self-care all that stuff and just charging like you need to charge this is yeah. a business you're providing a service you need to charge just the things i wish i had known and then just to talk about it to build what you know and then you work with me for three months and then you i let you free from the nest <laughs> um so yeah that's where you can find me i love to chat questions all that stuff i have a pick my brain session uh, it's 45 minutes you get to bucket um, $45 and we can just talk you know love it and we'll drop the links to all of that in the show description and Joni thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast I'm so excited that we finally got to record together and looking forward to recording more in the future as we both grow in our doula journey and just congratulations to you for all you've overcome all you've accomplished the way that you're showing up for yourself the way that you're showing up for our community the way that you're showing up for the doula community like you're doing so so much work <laughs> and just being so present and just being a helper and an assist wherever you can and we just really really appreciate you so thank you so much my heart is so so full thank you so much for having me um it's my dream actually to be on the <laughs> podcast so now it's happening and um yeah just thank you and to see your growth as well um you've been doing so amazing and it's just been so beautiful so also congratulations to you as well thank you all right guys so we will see you guys next week thank you so much for listening and for taking another trip another episode of the doula road trip podcast is in the books we'll see you guys next week bye hey doula are you enjoying this week's episode are you ready to begin your journey into birth work if so then i'm inviting you to check out my free training by texting the word doula to the number 
216-616-3269. Again, that's 216-616-3269. This training will support you in identifying the vision you have for your doula career. It'll give you the three clear steps you need to take to begin your journey into birth work. And it will also help you avoid the common missteps that can cost you time and money. This training is perfect for anyone who wants to get started as a doula and wants the roadmap for making their dream a reality. By the end of this training, you will have a plan to finally birth your dream of becoming a certified doula. The best part is that this training is absolutely free. Free 99, okay? Plus it includes exclusive bonuses that I don't share anywhere else online. So go ahead and sign up today by texting the word Zula to 216-616-3269. And the link is also in the description of this episode. I cannot wait to see you there.